Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time to be here and to hear from your word, um, and to learn how we can pursue growing spiritually. We pray that uh, you would just bless us to really get this and understand it, and we pray that 2022 would be a year of great growth. We thank you for your grace and empowerment, and amen. All right, today's sermon is called Sanctification is Simple, Understanding Spiritual Growth Through Biblical Imagery. So the Bible uses word pictures to illustrate various points, and today we're going to look at uh, three of those illustrations and especially how they relate to each other. And they kind of relate to each other in such a way that ends up painting a a big picture or one big analogy that... um, is just, I think this analogy is how we should think of spiritual growth. Uh, we're going to see six principles that come from this analogy that we should just think of when thinking about spiritual growth. This should infect our paradigm. This should be our outlook on spiritual growth. Um, so what will this message help with? I, I prepared a short slide for that. This message, there's three things I think it will help with. Can we go to that slide? Uh, Number one, if you want to have a better understanding of how you're supposed to rely on God to grow, this will help with that. We're going to go deep into that today. Uh, Number two, if you want to understand verses like Philippians 2, 12, and 13 better, let's look at that real quick if we can. Um... I'm just going to read it. Philippians 2, 12, and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. That sounds strange. But we're going we're gonna to explain that a bit on how... It's God who works in us, but we still have to work out on our own salvation, quote-unquote. Or we have to um, pursue the outworking thereof. Mm-hmm. Number three, this will be helpful if you want to be better equipped to help others or to help yourself grow in the Lord. And we should all want that. So if any of those things matter, pay attention. Um, also, as I've been doing lately... Um, You can take notes, you should take notes, but you'll have a handout in your bulletin that's a condensed version of my outline. And uh, and I would reference that, because it's condensed, it's short, it's easy to look at, uh, good stuff. All right, let me, can we go to the statement of premise slide? So, here's what we're going to start with. Um, Here's how I propose sanctification works. To grow spiritually, you have to put in recurring effort over time, and your efforts have to be backed by the supernatural power of the scriptures and the Holy Spirit. That's the basic definition of how you grow spiritually. And for today's purposes, when I talk about spiritual growth, I'm mostly talking about character growth. And character growth is when an aspect of biblical standards becomes built into you as a person. So just for clarification, that's what I mean by character growth. Character growth is most of what I'm talking about, and that's how spiritual growth works. But we're going to be expanding and explaining this definition, you know, throughout the sermon today. 
All right, so we've got three key analogies that we want to look at today. The first one we're going to look at is that Christians are like athletes. So I've got a series of verses we're going to quickly look at that show this point that Christians are like athletes. Let's take a look at 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Um, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives a prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under my control lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. So that's one place where we see that it's a biblical analogy that Christians are like athletes, but let's look at the rest of them. 2 Timothy 2.5, an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Hebrews 12, 1-3, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and, and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, considering him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. 2 Timothy 4.7 I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Galatians 5.7 You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? So we see that throughout the scriptures, throughout the New Testament, this analogy is used of a runner or of an athlete. The Christian is like an athlete. Um, so I want to get into some notes that I have on athletes. There's kind of like two points I have about athletes. Athletes get better by practicing. That's how they grow. You don't get better as an athlete by not practicing. And as an athlete, um, you have to put effort into practicing. It's not something that's done passively. Sitting on the couch hoping things will get better isn't practicing. But um, one thing that really, to me, shows that we learn by practicing. That's how Christians get better too. That's how Christians grow spiritually. Is Hebrews 5, 8. So speaking of Christ, although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. So that kind of sounds complicated. Christ learned obedience, but Christ was perfect. So Christ in his humanness had character growth. He grew in obedience. And what I think this means by he learned through what he suffered, he committed to obeying God when it caused him suffering. And so by enduring through that, it got built more and more into him the character of obeying God. He built up the habit of obeying God through suffering. And that's 
That's what I believe this means. So Christ learned obedience through practicing obedience. That's how Christians grow in character. That's how you get something built into you as a person. You practice it. If you want to start to like being kind to others, or if a person wants to start to want to be kind to others, to enjoy it, then the best thing they can do is to start being kind to others when they don't enjoy it. You know, and we see this in the physical, too. It's the same way if you, if you want to get into working out, if you want to be one of those people who enjoys going to the gym, none of them start out that way. Guess what you have to do? You have to start going to the gym when you don't want to. It's the only way you're ever going to get to the point where you like going to the gym. And I do want to emphasize, so athletes have to put effort into practicing. It's impossible to practice without putting some amount of effort into it. And the more effort the athlete puts into practice, odds are the more they will improve. And I believe that's the same for a Christian. So you can't apply God's word without effort. It's impossible. Like you have to actually choose to do the thing that God's word tells you to do. And the more effort you put into applying God's word, odds are the more you'll grow in that area, the more it will cause you to improve. I do want to briefly note just something I was thinking about as I was preparing this. I think there's two types of effort uh, that can be helpful. Choosing to do the thing the Bible teaches us to do in whatever area of your life that may be, and searching for ways to improve our trying to do it. Um, But that's just a side note. But anyways, throughout the rest of this sermon, I'm going to kind of use the terms practice and effort interchangeably because it really... So many of us think that effort's not a part of spiritual growth, and I don't want us to think that. That is biblically wrong, and we're really going to see that today. And we're also going to see how tied into reliance on God our efforts need to be. But the idea that you can grow spiritually apart from effort is absurd. And it's, it doesn't fit with the Bible at all. Next analogy. Scripture is like food. So this is an analogy used throughout uh, the New Testament. We're going to look at four verses that show that. Matthew 4, 3, uh, and 5. Through 5. when Jesus was in the wilderness. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. First um, Peter 2, verse 2. Like newborn infants, long for pure spiritual milk, that my, by it you may grow up into salvation. Hebrews five twelve through 14. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. 
but solid food is for the mature, who have um, their powers of discernment trained by constant practice. I never realized that when I was preparing this. <laughs> to distinguish good from evil. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3. But I, br- but I, brothers, could not address you as a spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not yet ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh behaving only in a human way? So we see that throughout the scriptures, scriptures themselves are compared to food. I've got some notes on food, some aspects of food I want us to think about. So, you know, you can live your life and go about your daily routine without eating. I don't recommend it. But eating gives you a boost of energy that lasts for about 6 to 12 hours you wouldn't otherwise have. And we don't really think about this as Americans because we eat throughout the day every day. But if you stop eating for a few days or even for one day, you're starting to realize how much food gives you energy. We're so used to eating, we never think about the fact that food gives us energy. But if you don't believe it, skip food for a day. You'll believe it. Food gives you a tangible sense of energy you wouldn't otherwise have that lasts 6 to 12 hours from when you last ate. Point number two. So eating gives you energy, but if there's something an athlete is not good at, eating will not instantly give them the strength to be good at it. They still need exercise and practice. Note number three on food. If an athlete isn't good at something, and on top of that, they're not eating, they definitely won't be doing good at it. So if you have a game and you need to shoot some three-pointers, or you have an important role you need to play in this game, and you didn't eat, that's not a bright idea. Point number four. As an adult, you know, you can skip meals or even go a few days without eating, and you'll be fine. But you won't have the physical strength you otherwise would have had if you'd been eating regularly. Yes, but I try to ignore that. (laughs) But, you know, this is important. So I've recently started being more consistent in my scripture reading than I've been in the last two years. And it kind of came about from me really thinking about these things. I can sense a tangible difference. It's subtle, but it's tangible in like my attitude on days when I read the scriptures versus days when I don't. I might not even learn anything when I read it. And I, I think it's easy to fall into the trap, the idea that you read the Bible to learn things. And you do, that's part of it. That's not the only reason you read the Bible. Even if you didn't have anything you needed to learn from the Bible because you knew it so well, which we always have more to learn from it, you need the nourishment. 
Scripture compares Scripture to food for a reason. You need the daily supernatural power from it. The Word of God has power to it. Jesus found actual nourishment from it. That's why he talks about it the way he does. And if Jesus, who had no sin nature, needed the nourishment and empowerment of it, you do too. Key analogy number three. The Holy Spirit is like water. So we're going to look at some verses that show this as a repeated analogy. Um, John 7, 37 through 39. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Isaiah 44, verse 3. I will pour water on a thirsty land, and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my Spirit upon your offspring, and my blessing on your descendants. 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen. For in one spirit, we were all baptized, we were all submerged. You can't be baptized into a solid, you have to be baptized into a liquid. Well, for the most of it. (laughs) You wouldn't want to be baptized into a solid. But anyways, for in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews and Greeks, slaves are free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. And there's more than I listed there. But um, let's, let's look at some notes on water. So water gives you the ability to keep doing work. Work dehydrates you, but water replenishes that. And the more you work, you know, you sweat and you get dehydrated quicker if you're working hard. But water replenishes that. So you have to stay, dehydrated, you have to stay hydrated daily. <laughs> you have to stay hydrated daily. Without staying hydrated, you'll have a lack of energy and potentially other problems. So I got this list from Medical News Today of problems that can come from dehydration. Lack of energy, headaches, dizziness and confusion, heat stroke and heat cramps, stiff joints that may eventually stick and not work properly, raised or otherwise unregulated body temperature, swelling in the brain, sharp changes in blood pressure, seizures, And you may even go into shock and become unresponsive. So, that's pretty bad. Again, another thing, thankfully, as Americans, by God's grace, we don't really think about because we drink water. Hopefully we drink water. (laughs) I drink water. But dehydration is very bad. Another thing that is worth comparing and noting, we need regular fillings of the Spirit, just like our bodies regularly need more water. When it says in Ephesians 5.18 to be filled with the Spirit, the Greek means be being filled, because of the tense that's used. We need to regularly drink of the Spirit. We need to regularly be filled with the Spirit. 
And for most of us, uh, the easiest way to do that is by spending time in worship and in prayer and in praying in tongues. So we're going to combine these three analogies, and it will paint a big picture for us. And the fact that it does that, I don't think is a coincidence. I think God kind of made it to work together this way. So there are six principles I'd like to get out of this. Number one, a person thinking they can become sanctified without regular time in God's word and regular as in like daily fillings of the spirit is like a person thinking they can become a professional athlete without food and water. Now athletes like to brag a lot, or a lot of them do, but if any of them said, I could have become a professional athlete without food and water, we'd laugh them off as absurd. You know, their coach would be like, you need to see a professional. It's, It's as hopeless of an endeavor as you could have to want to become a professional athlete without eating food and drinking water. It's as hopeless of an endeavor as you could possibly have. It's never gonna work. I think it's the same spiritually. Aiming to become sanctified without being daily empowered by God's word and God's spirit is like trying to become a professional athlete without being empowered by food and water. We need daily scripture reading and daily being filled with God's spirit. Let's look at two verses that kind of talk about the dailiness that we need scripture. Let's look at Joshua 1, 6 uh, through 9. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to the law of Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you, you may go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Notice it says meditate on it day and night. That's wording we're going to see again in the scriptures. How often do you eat? Day and night. Let's look at Psalms 1, 1 and 2. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, And on his law, he meditates day and night. The reason that is, I think, or a good part of it, is because scripture has a tangible supernatural empowerment that it gives you that lasts, you know, about a day. Like food. I think that's, you know, one of the comparisons we should take from it, from that analogy. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in other people's lives. I know people who struggle with like a bad attitude or this sin or other sins and you know, might 
not make them completely get over whatever they struggle with, but you know, they're better off on days when they read Scripture, and it's noticeable. Scripture gives supernatural power. We need to see that. We need to think that. All right, principle number two. A person thinking that all they need to do to grow spiritually is to spend time in God's word and in worship and prayer, and then God's going to take care of the rest. It's like an athlete who thinks that all they need to do to improve is eat food and drink water, and they don't need to practice. That's not as absurd as the first one, is thinking you can become a professional athlete without eating and drinking, but it's still pretty out there. It's totally unrealistic. It's never going to work. I like this principle because it helps us understand how our effort relates to God's empowerment. You know, it's easy to fall into the pattern of, or the habit of thinking, you know, all I need to do is read my Bible and pray and then I'll grow. And then get discouraged, like, I read my Bible, I pray, I'm, I'm not really growing. What's going on? You need to put effort into it. You need to put effort into practicing In the physical, at a certain point, increasing food and water won't help any. You know, once you get your daily strength from it, after that, what you need to do is practice if you want to be a better athlete. It's the same spiritually. You have to, you know, put effort into applying God's word. You have to practice it. You can't just sit on the couch and read and pray and expect that that by itself, without choosing to apply God's word and putting effort into it, is going to make you grow. One thing that I I think is interesting, this is just kind of a side point, but as I was thinking about this, as an athlete, there's kind of three ways to improve. Uh, So I wrote them down. They should be in your outlines. But more time, as in practicing over a longer amount of time, So, you know, if you're practicing your basketball shots um, and you just do it consistently, a year from now, you'll be better at it than you are now. But you probably won't be tomorrow. So, you know, time makes a difference, and I think that's true spiritually. The more we practice an application point of God's word over time, the better we get at it. So that's one way we improve. Second way an athlete improves by putting more effort into their practicing. You know, they can practice harder or practice longer. Um, And I think the same is kind of true for us as Christians. Um, Or number three, they can put in smarter effort. Work smarter, not harder, can apply to your application of God's word. If you struggle with being kind to people because you're grouchy, because you don't get enough sleep, you could try to do better at being kind to people, or you could get more sleep. (laughs) So as an athlete, you have to regularly have enough food and water, but after that, the only way to grow is to put in effort over time. As an athlete, effort is actually the only thing that can cause you to grow for the most of it. Um, You know, as you get older, you you get better at being an athlete, and sometimes that happens spiritually too, but for the most of it, you only get better by practicing. 
Principle and comparison number three. As an athlete, even though the only thing that will help you to grow is to put in more effort, you may need to increase food and water as you increase effort. Otherwise, you won't have sufficient nourishment and your body will cease to be able to maintain that level of effort. So I think this can be true spiritually. We need to put an effort to grow, but we need our effort to be backed up by the power of God's word and the power of God's spirit. If as an athlete you're putting an effort and you're practicing, but you're not eating food and you're not drinking water, your practices are going to be very, very bad, your games are going to be very, very bad, and you're probably going to get pretty sick. And, you know, the more... Uh, you practice, or the more effort you put in as an athlete, the more energy you need, the more food you need, the more you sweat, the more you get dehydrated, you need more water, you need more food. And I think the same is true spiritually. Martin Luther, I have a quote from him, he was quoted saying, I am so busy now that if I don't spend three hours each day in prayer, I can't get through the day. So I don't think we all need to do that, but I think he kind of got this idea. The busier he is, the more he felt he needed to spend time in prayer. Fellowshipping with God's Spirit, getting filled with God's Spirit. You need a level of nourishment that matches your amount of effort in order to sustain it. And that just kind of reminds me of Colossians 1 through 9. Let's take a look at that. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. So we do need to toil as Christians. We need to work. But we do it according to God's energy. We need God's energy. And that's like a practical thing. That comes from reading scripture and fellowshipping with his spirit. We need a level of supernatural empowerment um, sufficient to sustain what we're doing. All right, principle number four. Even if an athlete eats well and drinks enough water and practices hard, they still won't make significant improvements overnight. The same is true with your character growth. Even if you read God's word, and spend time fellowshipping with the Spirit, and, you know, practice applying it and put effort into that, you're not going to make significant radical improvements overnight. That's not how it works. And that's worth having as a paradigm. Just expect that. Don't get discouraged when you don't make tremendous strides overnight. That's not how growth works. Principle number five. No matter how much an athlete trains, they will never be perfect. The same is true spiritually. No matter how much uh, you grow and how much you put in God-empowered effort, uh, you're never going to get perfect in this life. There's always going to be more room to grow. And principle number six. Sometimes we have hindrances that weigh us down and we need to get rid of them. Let's read Hebrews 12, verse 1. 
which we kind of looked at earlier. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, some translations say hindrance or encumbrance, and sin which clings so closely, and let us run the race with endurance, the race that is set before us. So even though, you know, practicing is what makes you grow as an athlete, and you won't make tremendous leaps and improvements and growth overnight, if you have, like, weights that are tied to you, and you get rid of them, you'll instantly be much faster. I kind of compare that to, like, deliverance and inner healing. You know, you have a weight. Some of us have weights, some of us have heavy weights that hold us down. And we would significantly be much faster, like, immediately, if we got rid of them. We need to do that. There can be a number of things that can be a hindrance or a weight, but we need to find those things and get rid of them, as it says in Hebrews 12.1. And that will make us significant, that will lead to quick significant improvements, potentially. Because if you have a weight and you're, you know, a runner and you get rid of it, you're just faster, immediately. Nothing like trying to run a marathon with a ball and chain. (laughs) All right. The big takeaway here that I want to drive home is that in a real way, the driver of all growth is effort. But the successful and sustained effort are impossible without regular amounts, appropriate amounts of food and water. It's the same in the Christian life. The real driver of all growth is effort, but successful effort and sustained effort are impossible without regular, which should be daily, supernatural empowerment that come from God's word and God's spirit. I think if we took up thinking about spiritual growth from this paradigm, it could be life-changing. It would really help you think clearly and accurately about it. All right, so the pattern for Christian growth. I just want to give a summary of like kind of an expanded definition of the definition we started with at the beginning of the sermon. I'm going to read this. So if you want to really grow spiritually, you have to put in consistent, diligent, strategic effort. You do this by seeking to do what the Bible says and trying again no matter how many times you may fail. And you search to find ways to do those things better. And as you put an effort, you make sure that you rely on God for his strength for your efforts by daily in taking his word and daily fellowshipping with his spirit, prayer, worship, and speaking in tongues. And as you do this, your efforts will have supernatural power behind them. And as you continually putting in supernaturally empowered effort day in and day out, you will be growing. This is the pattern for spiritual growth as a Christian. And if you remove the empowerment of God, growth is going to have issues. 
But if you remove putting in effort, growth is also going to have issues. And if you only try for it a little bit and then get discouraged and quit, growth is going to have issues. Something that I just want to read that you know supports this view of it, let's look at 2 Peter 1, 5 through 11. For this very reason, make every effort. The NASB says, apply all diligence. But the ESV says, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to conform your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way you will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So Peter lists eight, or if you include faith, nine spiritual qualities, character qualities, that he says make every effort to have these. And I think this really shows, if you ever heard, all you have to do is abide and you'll grow fruit, that's all that plants do is they abide, I believe that idea is wrong. It takes more than abide. You definitely have to abide. You need God's power. You won't succeed without it. But half the qualities Peter mentioned are fruits of the Spirit. And he says to make every effort to have them. You do need effort, but you need God-empowered effort. And that's a practical thing. It comes from reliance day in and day out on God's word, the supernatural power you get from it, and on God's spirit, from being filled with God's spirit, from fellowshipping with God's spirit. All right. So in conclusion, no, uh, so, need some water. almost skipped a very important part. So how does this relate to grace? This is totally aligned with grace. I've got three, three things I want us to think about. Number one, um, I think I forgot to make a slide for this, but this is in your handouts. But number one, God is providing the power which makes it possible to grow, and we don't deserve for him to do that. Point number one of how it's aligned with grace. Point number two of how this is totally aligned with grace. It's by God's grace that we even put in effort. Because without God giving us grace, we wouldn't. You know, if it weren't for God stepping in to save us for, us, for our conversions, we would have never been converted. We would have never pursued him. We would never want to obey God. We would never want to try. It's by God's grace that you put in any effort at all. Without God's grace, we wouldn't put in effort. 
And lastly, and probably most important, number three, we put an effort in order to grow, not in order to gain favor or to be loved more. God loved us before we put in any effort, and he will always love us apart from our efforts. So this view, which I believe is the pattern for Christian growth, is totally aligned with grace. But anyways, in conclusion, we should all think from this paradigm. This is just a good way to think about spiritual growth. It's a good way to see it clearly. It's very accurate, and it makes it simple and easy to understand. It'll be helpful. Conclusion point number two. Uh, You know, put in strategic effort. Make a list of areas you should grow in in 2022. It just happens to almost be New Year, so I had to just talk about this. 2022 is coming up. It's around the corner. Make a list of areas you should grow in. Some things to think about might be, you know, the fruits of the Spirit, because we do have to pursue those, because half of the qualities Peter mentioned are fruits of the Spirit and areas of practical stewardship. Just some things to think about. But make a list of areas you need to grow in in 2022. Ask God to give you ideas about how you can be more strategic in those areas, and sit down and brainstorm of what you can do to pursue growing in them. You know, the reason I write sermons the way I do of like, taking a topic, talking about why it's important, then talking about how to do it, is because that is the pattern for growth. You need to pursue growth, and pursuing it strategically helps. And make sure that in 2022, you get daily empowerment from the scriptures and from the Holy Spirit or else you're like an athlete who's trying to improve and won't eat or drink. Spend time in the word and in worship and in prayer and speaking in tongues. All right, I'm going to close in prayer, and then we have five minutes for question and answer. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time uh, to learn from your word, to learn about spiritual growth. We pray that... um, You would help us to always be reminded of your grace and always think about your grace, how you forgive us for our sins, for our not pursuing growth like we should, how you love us, and how you empower us. We pray that we'd have a victorious attitude about Christian growth, one that gets up again and again after tripping. The righteous fall seven times and rise again. We pray that we would continually pursue spiritual growth with your grace in mind and daily recognize the need for daily, practical, tangible empowerment on supernatural empowerment, Lord. We pray that we would pursue that empowerment and that it would change our lives. We thank you for your grace and amen.